Part One of Don Juan in Hell by George Bernard Shaw. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Bob Neufeld. No sky, no peaks, no light, no sounds, no time, nor space. Utter void then somewhere the beginning of a pallor and with it a faint throbbing buzz as of a ghostly violoncello palpitating on the same note endlessly a couple of ghostly violins presently take advantage of this bass and therewith the pallor reveals a man in the void an incorporeal but visible man seated absurdly enough on nothing for a moment he raises his head as the music passes him by then with a heavy sigh he droops in utter dejection and the violins discouraged retrace their melody in despair and at last give it up extinguished by wailings from uncanny wind instruments it is all very odd one recognizes the mozartian strain and on this hint and by the aid of certain sparkles of violet light in the pallor the man's costume explains itself as that of a spanish nobleman of the fifteenth to sixteenth century don juan of course but where why how another pallor in the void this time not violet but a disagreeable smoky yellow with it the whisper of a ghostly clarionet, turning this tune into infinite sadness. The yellowish pallor moves. There is an old crone wandering in the wild, bent and toothless, draped, as well as one can guess, in the coarse brown frock of some religious order. She wanders and wanders in her slow, hopeless way, much as a wasp flies in its rapid busy way, until she blunders against the thing she seeks companionship with a sob of relief the poor old creature clutches at the presence of the man and addresses him in her dry unlovely voice which can still express pride and resolution as well as suffering excuse me but i am so lonely and this place is so awful a newcomer yes i suppose i died this morning i confess i had extreme unction i was in bed with my family about me and my eyes fixed on the cross then it grew dark and when the light came back it was this light by which i walk seeing nothing i have wandered for hours in horrible loneliness ah you have not yet lost the sense of time one soon does in eternity where are we in hell hell i in hell how dare you why not senora you do not know to whom you are speaking i am a lady and a faithful daughter of the church i do not doubt it but how then can i be in hell purgatory perhaps i have not been perfect who has but hell oh you are lying 
hell signora i assure you hell at its best that is its most solitary though perhaps you would prefer company but i have sincerely repented i have confessed how much more sins than i really committed i loved confession ah that is perhaps as bad as confessing too little at all events signora whether by oversight or intention you are certainly damned like myself and there is nothing for it now but to make the best of it oh and i might have been so much wickeder all my good deeds wasted it is unjust no you were fully and clearly warned for your bad deeds vicarious atonement mercy without justice for your good deeds justice without mercy we have many good people here were you a good man i was a murderer a murderer oh how dare they send me to herd with murderers i was not as bad as that i was a good woman there is some mistake where can i have it set right i do not know whether mistakes can be corrected here probably they will not admit a mistake even if they have made one but whom can i ask i should ask the devil signora he understands the ways of this place which is more than i ever could the devil i speak to the devil in hell signora the devil is the leader of the best society i tell you wretch i know i am not in hell how do you know because i feel no pain oh then there is no mistake you are intentionally damned why do you say that because hell signora is a place for the wicked the wicked are quite comfortable in it it was made for them you tell me you feel no pain i conclude you are one of those for whom hell exists do you feel no pain i am not one of the wicked signora therefore it bores me bores me beyond description beyond belief not one of the wicked you said you were a murderer only a duel i ran my sword through an old man who was trying to run his through me if you were a gentleman that was not a murder the old man called it murder because he was he said defending his daughter's honour by this he meant that because i foolishly fell in love with her and told her so she screamed and he tried to assassinate me after calling me insulting names you were like all men libertines and murderers all 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 and yet we meet here dear lady listen to me my father was slain by just such a wretch as you in just such a duel for just such a cause i screamed it was my duty my father drew on my assailant his honour demanded it he fell that was the reward of honour i am here in hell you tell me that is the reward of duty is there justice in heaven 
no but there is justice in hell heaven is far above such idle human personalities you will be welcome in hell senora hell is the home of honor duty justice and the rest of the seven deadly virtues all the wickedness on earth was done in their name where else but in hell should they have their reward have i not told you that the truly damned are those who are happy in hell and are you happy here no and that is the enigma on which i ponder in darkness why am i here i who repudiated all duty trampled honour underfoot and laughed at justice oh why do i care why you are here why am i here i who sacrificed all my inclinations to womanly virtue and propriety patience lady you will be perfectly happy and at home here as with the poet hell is a city much like seville happy here where i am nothing where i am nobody not at all you are a lady and wherever ladies are is hell do not be surprised or terrified you will find everything here that a lady can desire including devils who will serve you from sheer love of servitude and magnify your importance for the sake of dignifying their servants the best of servants my servants will be devils have you ever had servants who were not devils never they were devils perfect devils all of them but that is only a manner of speaking i thought you meant that my servants here would be real devils no more real devils than you are a real lady nothing is real here that is the horror of damnation oh this is all madness this is worse than fire and the worm for you perhaps there are consolations for instance how old were you when you changed from time to eternity do not ask me how old i was as if i were a thing of the past i am seventy-seven a ripe age signora but in hell old age is not tolerated it is too real here we worship love and beauty our souls being entirely damned we cultivate our hearts as a lady of seventy-seven you would not have a single acquaintance in hell how can i help my age man you forget that you have left your age behind you in the realm of time you are no more seventy-seven than you are seven or seventeen or twenty-seven nonsense consider senora was not this true even when you lived on earth when you were seventy were you really older underneath your wrinkles and your gray hams than when you were thirty no younger at thirty i was a fool but of what use is it to feel younger and look older you see senora the look was only an illusion your wrinkles lied just as the plump smooth skin of many a stupid girl of seventeen with heavy spirits and decrepit ideas lies about her age well here we have no bodies 
we see each other as bodies only because we learnt to think about one another under that aspect when we were alive and we still think that way knowing no other but we can appear to one another at what age we choose you have but to will any of your old looks back and back they will come it cannot be true try seventeen stop before you decide i had better tell you that these things are a matter of fashion occasionally we have a rage for seventeen but it does not last long just at present the fashionable age is forty or say thirty-seven but there are signs of a change if you were at all good-looking at twenty-seven i should suggest your trying that and setting a new fashion i do not believe a word you are saying however twenty-seven be it whisk the old woman becomes a young one dona anna de Uloa. what you know me and you forget me i cannot see your face <gasps> don juan tenorio monster you who slew my father even here you pursue me i protest i do not pursue you allow me to withdraw you shall not leave me alone in this dreadful place provided my staying be not interpreted as pursuit you may well wonder how i can endure your presence my dear dear father would you like to see him my father here no he is in heaven i knew it my noble father he is looking down on us now oh, what must he feel to see his daughter in this place and in conversation with his murderer by the way if we should meet him how can we meet him he is in heaven he condescends to look in upon us here from time to time heaven bores him so let me warn you that if you meet him he will be mortally offended if you speak of me as his murderer he maintains that he was a much better swordsman than i and that if his foot had not slipped he would have killed me no doubt he is right i was not a good fencer i never dispute the point so we are excellent friends it is no dishonour to a soldier to be proud of his skill in arms you would rather not meet him probably how dare you say that oh that is the usual feeling here you may remember that on earth though of course we never confessed it the death of any one we knew even those we liked best was always mingled with a certain satisfaction at being finally done with them monster never never i see you recognize the feeling yes a funeral was always a festivity in black especially the funeral of a relative at all events family ties are rarely kept up here your father is quite accustomed to this he will not expect any devotion from you wretch i wore mourning for him all my life yes and it became you but a life of mourning is one thing an eternity of it quite another besides here you are as dead as he 
Can anything be more ridiculous than one dead person mourning for another? Do not look shocked, my dear Anna, and do not be alarmed. There is plenty of humbug in hell. Indeed, there is hardly anything else. But the humbug of death and age and change is dropped, because here we are all dead and all eternal. You will pick up our ways soon. And will all the men call me dear Anna? No, that was a slip of tongue. I beg your pardon. Juan, did you really love me when you behaved so disgracefully to me? Oh! i beg you not to begin talking about love here they talk of nothing else but love its beauty its holiness its spirituality its devil knows what excuse me but it does so bore me they don't know what they're talking about i do they think they have achieved the perfection of love because they have no bodies sheer imaginative debauchery has even death failed to refine your soul juan has the terrible judgment of which my father's statue was the minister taught you no reverence how is that very flattering statue by the way does it still come to supper with naughty people and cast them into this bottomless pit it has been a great expense to me the boys in the monastery school would not let it alone the mischievous ones broke it, and the studious ones wrote their names on it. Three new noses in two years, and fingers without end. I had to leave it to its fate at last, and now I fear it is shockingly mutilated. My poor father! Hush! Listen! Ah, Mozart's statue music! It is your father! You had better disappear until I prepare him from the void comes a living statue of white marble designed to represent a majestic old man but he waves his majesty with infinite grace walks with a feather-like step and makes every wrinkle in his war-worn visage brim over with holiday joyousness to his sculptor he owes a perfectly trained figure which he carries erect and trim and the ends of his moustache curl up elastic as watch-springs giving him an air which but for its spanish dignity would be called jaunty he is on the pleasantest terms with don juan ah here you are my friend why don't you learn to sing the splendid music mozart has written for you unluckily he has written it for a bass voice mine is a counter-tenor well have you repented yet i have too much consideration for you to repent don gonzalo if i did you would have no excuse for coming from heaven to argue with me true remain obdurate my boy i wish i had killed you as i should have done but for an accident then i should have come here and you would have had a statue and a reputation for piety to live up to any news yes your daughter is dead my daughter oh the one you were taken with let me see what was her name anna 
to be sure anna a good-looking girl if i recollect all right have you warned uh, what's his name her husband my friend ottavio no i have not seen him since anna arrived what does this mean ottavio here and your friend and you father have forgotten my name you are indeed turned to stone now, my dear i am so much more admired in marble than i ever was in my own person that i have retained the shape the sculptor gave me he was one of the first men of his day you must acknowledge that father vanity personal vanity from you ah you have outlived that weakness my daughter you must be nearly eighty by this time i was cut off by an accident in my sixty-fourth year and am considerably your junior in consequence besides my child in this place what our libertine friend here would call the farce of parental wisdom is dropped regard me i beg as a fellow-creature not as a father you speak as this villain speaks juan is a sound thinker anna a bad fencer but a sound thinker i begin to understand these are devils mocking me i had better pray no 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 my child do not pray if you do you will throw away the main advantage of this place written over the gate here are the words leave every hope behind ye who enter only think what a relief that is for what is hope a form of moral responsibility here there is no hope and consequently no duty no work nothing to be gained by praying nothing to be lost by doing what you like hell in short is a place where you have nothing to do but amuse yourself you sigh friend juan but if you dwelt in heaven as i do you would realize your advantages you are in good spirits to-day commander you are positively brilliant what is the matter i have come to a momentous decision my boy but first where is our friend the devil i must consult him in the matter and anna would like to make his acquaintance no doubt you are preparing some torment for me all that is superstition anna reassure yourself remember the devil is not so black as he is painted let us give him a call at the wave of the statue's hand the great chords roll out again but this time mozart's music gets grotesquely adulterated with gounod's a scarlet halo begins to glow and into it the devil rises very mephistophelian in spite of an effusion of good nature and friendliness he is peevish and sensitive when his advances are not reciprocated he does not inspire much confidence in his powers of hard work or endurance and is on the whole a disagreeably self-indulgent-looking person but he is clever and plausible though perceptibly less well-bred than the two other men and enormously less vital than the woman have i again the pleasure of receiving a visit from the illustrious commander of calatrava don juan 
your servant and a strange lady my respects signora are you lucifer at your service i shall go mad ah signora do not be anxious you come to us from earth full of the prejudices and terrors of that priest-ridden place you have heard me ill-spoken of and yet believe me i have hosts of friends there yes you reign in their hearts you flatter me signora but you are mistaken it is true that the world cannot get on without me but it never gives me credit for that in its heart it mistrusts and hates me its sympathies are all with misery with poverty with starvation of the body and of the heart i call on it to sympathize with joy with love with happiness with beauty excuse me i am going you know i cannot stand this yes i know that you are no friend of mine what harm is he doing you juan it seems to me that he was talking excellent sense when you interrupted him thank you my friend thank you you have always understood me he has always disparaged and avoided me i have treated you with perfect courtesy courtesy what is courtesy i care nothing for mere courtesy give me warmth of heart true sincerity the bond of sympathy with love and pity you are making me ill there you hear sir oh by what irony of fate was this cold selfish egotist sent to my kingdom and you taken to the icy mansions of the sky i can't complain i was a hypocrite and it served me right to be sent to heaven why sir do you not join us and leave a sphere for which your temperament is too sympathetic your heart too warm your capacity for enjoyment too generous i have this day resolved to do so in the future excellent son of the morning i am yours i have left heaven forever ah what an honor for me what a triumph for our cause thank you thank you and now my friend i may call you so at last could you not persuade him to take the place you have left vacant above i cannot conscientiously recommend anybody with whom i am on friendly terms to deliberately make himself dull and uncomfortable of course not but are you sure he would be uncomfortable of course you know best you brought him here originally and we had the greatest hopes of him his sentiments were in the best taste of our best people you remember how he sang vivant la femine viva le bon vivo sostugna la gloria de manita precisely well he never sings for us now do you complain of that hell is full of musical amateurs music is the brandy of the damned may not one lost soul be permitted to abstain you dare blaspheme against the sublimest of the arts you talk like a hysterical woman fawning on a fiddler i am not angry i merely pity you 
you have no soul and you are unconscious of all that you lose now you senor commander are a born musician how well you sing mozart would be delighted if he were still here but he moped and went to heaven curious how these clever men whom you would have supposed born to be popular here have turned out social failures like don juan i am really very sorry to be a social failure not that we don't admire your intellect you know we do but i look at the matter from your own point of view you don't get on with us the place doesn't suit you the truth is you have i won't say no heart for we know that beneath all your affected cynicism you have a warm one don't please don't well you've no capacity for enjoyment will that satisfy you it is a somewhat less insufferable form of cant than the other but if you'll allow me i'll take refuge as usual in solitude why not take refuge in heaven that's the proper place for you come signora could you not persuade him for his own good to try a change of air but can he go to heaven if he wants to what's to prevent him can anybody can i go to heaven if i want to oh, certainly if your taste lies that way but why doesn't everybody go to heaven then <laughs> i can tell you that my dear it's because heaven is the most angelically dull place in all creation that's why his excellency the commander puts it with military bluntness but the strain of living in heaven is intolerable there is a notion that i was turned out of it but as a matter of fact nothing could have induced me to stay there i simply left and organized this place i don't wonder at it nobody could stand an eternity of heaven oh it suits some people let us be just commander it is a question of temperament i don't admire the heavenly temperament i don't understand it i don't know that i particularly want to understand it but it takes all sorts to make a universe there is no accounting for tastes there are people who like it i think don juan would like it but pardon my frankness could you really go back there if you desire to or are the grapes sour back there i often go back there have you never read the book of job have you any canonical authority for assuming that there is any barrier between our circle and the other one but surely there is a great gulf fixed dear lady a parable must not be taken literally the gulf is the difference between the angelic and the diabolic temperament what more impassable gulf could you have think of what you have seen on earth there is no physical gulf between the philosopher's classroom and the bull-ring but the bullfighters do not come to the classroom for all that have you ever been in the country where i have the largest following england there they have great race-courses and also concert-rooms where they play the classical compositions of his excellency's friend mozart 
those who go to the race-courses can stay away from them and go to the classical concerts instead if they like there is no law against it for englishmen never will be slaves they are free to do whatever the government and the public opinion allows them to do and the classical concert is admitted to be a higher more cultivated poetic intellectual ennobling place than the race-course but do the lovers of racing desert their sport and flock to the concert-room not they they would suffer there all the weariness the commander has suffered in heaven there is the great gulf of the parable between the two places a mere physical gulf they could bridge or at least i could bridge it for them the earth is full of devil's bridges but the gulf of dislike is impassable and eternal and that is the only gulf that separates my friends here from those who are invidiously called the blessed i shall go to heaven at once my child one word of warning first let me complete my friend lucifer's similitude of the classical concert at every one of those concerts in england you will find rows of weary people who are there not because they really like classical music but because they think they ought to like it well there is the same thing in heaven a number of people sit there in glory not because they are happy but because they think they owe it to their position to be in heaven they are almost all english yes the southerners give it up and join me just as you have but the english really do not seem to know when they are thoroughly miserable an englishman thinks he is moral when he is only uncomfortable in short my daughter if you go to heaven without being naturally qualified for it you will not enjoy yourself there and who dares say that i am not naturally qualified for it the most distinguished princes of the church have never questioned it i owe it to myself to leave this place at once as you please senora i should have expected better taste from you father i shall expect you to come with me you cannot stay here what will people say people why the best people are here princes of the church and all so few go to heaven and so many come here that the blessed once called a heavenly host are a continually dwindling minority the saints the fathers the elect of long ago are the cranks the faddists the outsiders of to-day it is true from the beginning of my career i knew that i should win in the long run by sheer weight of public opinion in spite of the long campaign of misrepresentation and calumny against me at bottom the universe is a constitutional one and with such a majority as mine i cannot be kept permanently out of office i think anna you had better stay here you do not want me to go with you surely you do not want to enter heaven in the company of a reprobate like me all souls are equally precious you repent do you not my dear anna you are silly do you suppose heaven is like earth where people persuade themselves that what is done can be undone by repentance that what is spoken can be unspoken by withdrawing it 
that what is true can be annihilated by a general agreement to give it the lie. No, heaven is the home of the masters of reality. That is why I am going hither. Thank you. I am going to heaven for happiness. I have had quite enough of reality on earth. Then you must stay here, for hell is the home of the unreal and of the seekers of happiness. It is the only refuge from heaven, which is, as I tell you, the home of the masters of reality, and from earth, which is the home of the slaves of reality. The earth is a nursery in which men and women play at being heroes and heroines, saints and sinners, but they are dragged down from their fool's paradise by their bodies, hunger and cold and thirst, age and decay and disease, death above all make them slaves of reality thrice a day meals must be eaten and digested thrice a century a new generation must be engendered ages of faith of romance and of science are all driven at last to have but one prayer make me a healthy animal but here you escape the tyranny of the flesh for here you are not an animal at all, you are a ghost, an appearance, an illusion, a convention, deathless, ageless, in a word, bodiless. There are no social questions here, no political questions, no religious questions, best of all, perhaps, no sanitary questions. Here you call your appearance beauty your emotions love, your sentiments heroism, your aspirations virtue, just as you did on earth. But here there are no hard facts to contradict you, no ironic contrast of your needs with your pretensions, no human comedy, nothing but a perpetual romance, a universal melodrama. As our German friend put it in his poem, the poetically nonsensical here is good sense and the eternal feminine draws us ever upward and on, without getting us a step farther. And yet, you want to leave this paradise. But if hell be so beautiful as this, how glorious must heaven be! The devil, the statue, and Don Juan all begin to speak at once in violent protest, then stop, abashed. I beg your pardon. Not at all, I interrupted you. You were going to say something? after you gentlemen you have been so eloquent on the advantages of my dominions that i leave you to do equal justice to the drawbacks of the alternative establishment in heaven as i picture it dear lady you live and work instead of playing and pretending you face things as they are you escape nothing but glamour and your steadfastness and your peril are your glory if the play still goes on here and on earth and all the world is a stage heaven is at least behind the scenes but heaven cannot be described by metaphor thither i shall go presently because there i hope to escape at last from lies and from the tedious vulgar pursuit of happiness to spend my eons in contemplation ah senor commander i do not blame your disgust a picture-gallery is a dull place for a blind man but even as you enjoy the contemplation of such romantic mirages as beauty and pleasure 
so would I enjoy the contemplation of that which interests me above all things, namely life, the force that ever strives to attain greater power of contemplating itself. What made this brain of mine, do you think? Not the need to move my limbs, for a rat with half my brains moves as well as I. Not merely the need to do, but the need to know what I do, lest in my blind efforts to live I should be slaying myself. You would have slain yourself in your blind efforts to fence, but for my foot slipping, my friend. Audacious ribald! Your laughter will finish in hideous boredom before morning. Ha! Ha! Do you remember how I frightened you when I said something like that to you from my pedestal in Seville? It sounds rather flat without my trombones. They tell me it generally sounds flat with them, Commander. Oh, do not interrupt with these frivolities, father. Is there nothing in heaven but contemplation, Juan? In the heaven I seek no other joy, but there is the work of helping life in its struggle upward. Think of how it wastes and scatters itself, how it raises up obstacles to itself and destroys itself in its ignorance and blindness. It needs a brain, this irresistible force, lest in its ignorance it should resist itself. What a piece of work is man, says the poet. Yes, but what a blunderer! Here is the highest miracle of organization yet attained by life, the most intensely alive thing that exists, the most conscious of all the organisms, and yet how wretched are his brains, stupidly made sordid and cruel by the realities learnt from toil and poverty, imagination resolved to starve sooner than face these realities, piling up illusions to hide them, and calling itself cleverness, genius, and each accusing the other of its own defect. Stupidity accusing imagination of folly, and imagination accusing stupidity of ignorance. Whereas, alas, stupidity has all the knowledge, and imagination all the intelligence. And a pretty kettle of fish they make of it between them. Did I not say, when I was arranging that affair of Faust's, that all man's reason has done for him is to make him beastlier than any beast? One splendid body is worth the brains of a hundred dyspeptic, flatulent philosophers. You forget that brainless magnificence of body has been tried. Things immeasurably greater than man in every respect but brain have existed and perished. The Megatherium, the Ichthyosaurus, have paced the earth with seven league steps, and hidden the day with cloud-vast wings. Where are they now, fossils in museums, and so few and imperfect at that, that a knuckle-bone or a tooth of one of them is prized beyond the lives of a thousand soldiers? These things lived and wanted to live, but for lack of brains they did not know how to carry out their purpose, and so destroyed themselves. And is man any the less destroying himself for all this boasted brain of his? Have you walked up and down the earth lately? I have, and I have examined man's wonderful inventions, and I tell you that in the arts of life man invents nothing, 
but in the arts of death he outdoes nature herself and produces by chemistry and machinery all the slaughter of plague pestilence and famine the peasant i tempt to-day eats and drinks what was eaten and drunk by the peasants of ten thousand years ago and the house he lives in has not altered as much in a thousand centuries as the fashion of a lady's bonnet in a score of weeks but when he goes out to slay he carries a marvel of mechanism that lets loose at the touch of his finger all the hidden molecular energies and leaves the javelin the arrow the blowpipe of his fathers far behind in the arts of peace man is a bungler i have seen his cotton factories and the like with machinery that a greedy dog could have invented if it wanted money instead of food i know his clumsy typewriters and bungling locomotives and tedious bicycles they are toys compared to the maxim gun the submarine torpedo boat there is nothing in man's industrial machinery but his greed and sloth his heart is in his weapons this marvellous force of life of which you boast is a force of death man measures his strength by his destructiveness what is his religion an excuse for hating me what is his law an excuse for hanging you what is his morality gentility an excuse for consuming without producing what is his art an excuse for gloating over pictures of slaughter what are his politics either the worship of a despot because a despot can kill or parliamentary cockfighting i spent an evening lately in a certain celebrated legislature and heard the pot lecturing the kettle for its blackness and ministers answering questions when i left i chalked up on the door the old nursery saying ask no questions and you will be told no lies i bought a sixpenny family magazine and found it full of pictures of young men shooting and stabbing one another i saw a man die he was a london bricklayer's labourer with seven children he left seventeen pounds club money and his wife spent it all on his funeral and went into the workhouse with the children next day she would not have spent sevenpence on her children's schooling the law had to force her to let them be taught gratuitously but on death she spent all she had their imagination glows their energies rise up at the idea of death these people they love it and the more horrible it is the more they enjoy it hell is a place far above their comprehension they derive their notion of it from two of the greatest fools that ever lived an italian and an englishman the italian described it as a place of mud frost filth fire and venomous serpents all torture this ass when he was not lying about me was maundering about some woman whom he saw once in a street the englishman described me as being expelled from heaven by cannons and gunpowder and to this day every briton believes that the whole of his silly story is in the bible what else he says i do not know for it is all in a long poem which neither i nor anybody else ever succeeded in wading through 
it is the same in everything the highest form of literature is the tragedy a play in which everybody is murdered at the end in the old chronicles you read of earthquakes and pestilences and are told that these showed the power and majesty of god and the littleness of man nowadays the chronicles describe battles in a battle two bodies of men shoot at one another with bullets and explosive shells until one body runs away when the others chase the fugitives on horseback and cut them to pieces as they fly and this the chronicle concludes shows the greatness and majesty of empires and the littleness of the vanquished over such battles the people run about the streets yelling with delight and egg their governments on to spend hundreds of millions of money in the slaughter whilst the strongest ministers dare not spend an extra penny in the pound against the poverty and pestilence through which they themselves daily walk i could give you a thousand instances but they all come to the same thing the power that governs the earth is not the power of life but of death and the inner need that has nerved life to the effort of organizing itself into the human being is not the need for higher life but for a more efficient engine of destruction the plague the famine the earthquake the tempest were too spasmodic in their action the tiger and crocodile were too easily satiated and not cruel enough something more constantly more ruthlessly more ingeniously destructive was needed and that something was man the inventor of the rack the stake the gallows and the electrocutor of the sword and gun above all of justice duty patriotism and all the other isms by which even those who are clever enough to be humanely disposed are persuaded to become the most destructive of all the destroyers ah all this is old your weak side my diabolic friend is that you have always been a gull you take man at his own valuation nothing would flatter him more than your opinion of him he loves to think of himself as bold and bad he is neither one nor the other he is only a coward call him tyrant murderer pirate bully and he will adore you and swagger about with the consciousness of having the blood of the old sea-kings in his veins call him liar and thief and he will only take an action against you for libel but call him coward and he will go mad with rage he will face death to outface the stinging truth man gives every reason for his conduct save one every excuse for his crimes save one every plea for his safety save one and that one is his cowardice yet all his civilization is founded on his cowardice on his abject tameness which he calls his respectability there are limits to what a mule or an ass will stand but man will suffer himself to be degraded until his vileness becomes so loathsome to his oppressors that they themselves are forced to reform it precisely and these are the creatures in whom you discover what you call a life-force yes for now comes the most surprising part of the whole business what's that why 
that you can make any of these cowards brave by simply putting an idea into his head stuff as an old soldier i admit the cowardice it's as universal as seasickness and matters just as little but that about putting an idea into a man's head is stuff and nonsense in a battle all you need to make you fight is a little hot blood and the knowledge that it's more dangerous to lose than to win that is perhaps why battles are so useless but men never really overcome fear until they imagine they are fighting to further a universal purpose fighting for an idea as they call it why was the crusader braver than the pirate because he fought not for himself but for the cross what force was it that met him with a valor as reckless as his own the force of men who fought not for themselves but for islam they took spain from us though we were fighting for our very hearths and homes but when we too fought for that mighty idea a catholic church we swept them back to africa what you a catholic senor don juan a devotee my congratulations come come as a soldier i can listen to nothing against the church have no fear commander this idea of a catholic church will survive islam will survive the cross will survive even that vulgar pageant of incompetent schoolboyish gladiators which you call the army juan you will force me to call you to account for this useless i cannot fence every idea for which man will die will be a catholic idea when the spaniard learns at last that he is no better than the saracen and his prophet no better than mohammed he will arise more catholic than ever and die on a barricade across the filthy slum he starves in for universal liberty and quality bosh what you call bosh is the only thing men dare die for later on liberty will not be catholic enough men will die for human perfection to which they will sacrifice all their liberty gladly Aye, they will never be at a loss for an excuse for killing one another what of that it is not death that matters but the fear of death it is not killing and dying that degrades us but base living and accepting the wages and profits of degradation better ten dead men than one live slave or his master man shall yet rise up father against son and brother against brother and kill one another for the great catholic idea of abolishing slavery yes when the liberty and equality of which you prate shall have made free white christians cheaper in the labor market than by auction at the block never fear the white laborer shall have his turn too but i am not defending the illusory forms the great ideas take i am giving you examples of the fact that this creature man who in his own selfish affairs is a coward to the backbone will fight for an idea like a hero he may be abject as a citizen but he is dangerous as a fanatic he can only be enslaved while he is spiritually weak enough to listen to reason i tell you gentlemen 
if you can show a man a piece of what he now calls god's work to do and what he will later on call by many new names you can make him entirely reckless of the consequences to himself personally End of part one